Welcome to Insights for Believers audio podcast. We believe the message you are about to receive from the Word of God today will ignite your faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ and His love for you. So we're going to talk about falling from grace. What does that look like? You know, when people say somebody fell, you know, is it possible even to fall from grace, right? Uh, The idea of faith and works. You know, where, you know, we say we are no longer under the law, so we don't, we don't do works of the law. Uh, but how about where James talks about the fact that faith without works is dead? You know, things like that. So we'll touch on that. And then I will talk about making decisions under the new covenant. Um, I remember I gave you a list the other day, um, but I found another one in one of my old books, uh, another list that, that I had, which is more exhaustive. So I want, I'm going to get to that if I'm able to get to that. And then we will pray for probably the last, you know, 15 minutes or thereabouts. Um, I would, I will get off here, and um, PD is going to come and lead us in prayer. All right, so let's get going here from James chapter number two. Um, we will read from verse 14 to verse 26. You can look on the screen just so that we are united in what we're reading. Um, we will read this first because we're still coming back to this. But I have lots of other scriptures that I want to show you there. So let's keep going here. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by, by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect? Then 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out? Another way, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. All right, so tonight you're going to have to pay attention to this message, especially when we get to the part where I'll be talking about faith and works. It can get very sticky. You know what I mean by sticky? I had to separate a lot of things and pull things apart, you know, even to piece out what I want to share with you tonight because it can get very, very sticky and it gets confusing for a lot of Christians. Uh, when they, they, they see these concepts in the Bible. So I, I will do my best uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit to break it down, uh, but you will need to pay attention. Try not to be distracted. If you need to get, a, uh, you know, get coffee or anything, if you are hot, I don't know how you guys are cold inside this room because the, I came out here and I was already hot, so I had to take out my jacket. <laughs> Maybe it's all the lights, but for whatever reason, our temperatures are not jelly. You know, it's like my wife and I in our room. Half of the room is cold, <laughs> the other half is hot. <laughs> It's so wonderful. All right, so let's look at a few things that we've said. We've said we cannot operate under both covenants, all right? We have to pick one. We can't function under the two. 
we are in, a, it's just like being in a, a civilian regime and, and still functioning as if you are under the military. That's exactly the way it is. So you have to choose one. The, the rules are different under a military regime uh, than under a democracy, uh, than under a parliamentary system of government. Like one of the, the new brothers in church, the other day I was trying to explain to him the system of government in Canada. Even me, I got confused. <laughs> Even me that I'm a Canadian, I got confused <laughs> trying to explain to him. Because he asked me a question and he said, he said uh, how, how often do they have elections? You know you can't answer that question in Canada. You can't. Because they will just tell you that the prime minister called an election. <laughs> there is a, there's a time frame within which he can call an election. But there's no specific time. So there's all those different things. And that it's, uh, it's not, you're not voting for the president of the country. You're voting for the party. And whoever is the leader of the party becomes the president, uh, the prime minister, right? So that's the way it works here. So it's, it's important to understand what, what kind of system you're under, right? So we've said that we're not under the law. We are now under something else that is called grace. This is very important. Please put this one at the back of your mind as we go through all those things because that has to be the foundation for which we are looking through all of these different things. Galatians 2 verse 21. Let's start going here. We're going to go through quite a number of scriptures here. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So he's making a point here and saying this, that you, you, this is how people set aside the grace of God. This is how people set it aside. By, by continuing to, to act as if righteousness comes through the law. It means Christ has died in vain if righteousness comes through the law. If the law, and we have gone through the law, I'm sure by now you have a complete understanding of that, at least to some degree. Uh, if that is how righteousness comes, then Jesus did not need to die. That means he died in vain. So if you are, you are, you are still putting yourself under the law, you are almost making the death of Christ to be non and void, almost to be a waste. That's what he's talking about. Then look at it in the New Living Translation. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Do you see that? So this is, this is a very important understanding to have as we go along here. So what does it mean to fall from grace then? Or is it possible to fall from grace. We've already seen him saying here that some people, one of these days, maybe we will do um, verse by verse through Galatians. You know, it's one of the nice things that I like to do, but I don't, I don't know how it will be. I've never, I've, I've only done that in fellowship setting, so I don't know how it will be <laughs> doing it here. But it will be nice to actually go through the book of Galatians and piece it out verse by verse. So let's, let's just keep going. So it says Galatians 5, verse 4 to 5. Look at what it says now. Galatians 5, 4 to 5. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. So you see what he calls falling from grace. Attempting to be justified by law. So when, you, when they say somebody has fallen from grace, what they are saying is that this person is attempting to be justified, to be justified by law. Uh-huh. That's what it means to fall from grace. So it says, for we, through, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Then Romans 6, 1 to 2 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This is always the problem when people talk about grace. <laughs> this is always the issue. And it's not a new problem. It has always been that way. It has always been that way. People talk about the grace, you know, um, grace message as if it's a new thing. It's a new message that people just discovered. No, no, there's nothing new about it. This was the same issue they were facing at that time. And he said, can we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. So there is a de definitive um, um, point here that he's saying, 
it's not possible for you to be under grace and to say you want to continue in sin. That that is not permitted as far as grace is concerned. Grace is supposed to make you actually to live a, a righteous life. That's what grace is supposed to do. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So it's, it's possible to fall from grace. And falling from grace is basically falling back into the law. That's, that's what it means in a, in a nutshell. When, when you hear that concept, it means that this person is, is falling back into the law, going back into trying to be justified by the law. It also means continuing in deliberate known sin. And I've been stressing this over the last few weeks because it has been heavy on my heart. It says you cannot be continuing in, in deliberate known sin that you know and expecting grace to continue to flow towards you. That's what he's saying, that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So anything in your life that you know that, that this is wrong, you are not supposed to continue in it because that is how people fall from grace. That's what he's saying. So Galatians 1, verse 6 to 8. Galatians 1, 6 to 8. It says, I marvel, just write down the scriptures and look on the screen and let's read it together, okay? Galatians 1, 6 to 8. It says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So he's saying the different gospel in this case is the, the gospel that you, are, you, you can only be justified by the law. That's what he's saying. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. So the gospel of Christ is the gospel of grace. The gospel of Christ is the gospel of grace. It's the gospel that says that you are not justified by the works of the law, but by putting your faith in the finished works of Jesus Christ, on the cross for you, that this is how man is justified. Then verse 8 says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. All right, let's keep going. Galatians 2, verse 21. We already read this. It says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Chapter number 3. O foolish Galatians, this is how it starts. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you receive the Spirit? Was it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Then it says, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? All right, let's keep going. We're going somewhere, guys. Let's just keep going here. Galatians 4, from verse 9 to 10. I want you to see all the scriptures. I just wanted to see them uh, because it's easy to just teach something and just be sharing stories. But you need to see the scriptures. You need to know that the scripture actually says these things. So it's not that somebody is making stuff up. Galatians 4, 9 to 10. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly element to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. So not because all those things are bad, like to, to say, okay, this is a day of this or day of that, but you cannot be under bondage to anything. Under the new covenant, there is no bondage. You are not supposed to be under bondage to anything. And to be under bondage of something means that you miss it. How many people have ever been on a, 
the one that happened to me was a Bible reading plan, like on the, on the Bible app, right? You're on a streak, and every day you get it. Does anybody use the Bible reading app? Yeah. You're all old school, hardcore. Okay, like you're, you're on this streak that is, you know, it'd be, you know, very heavy streak, and you just miss, ah, it enters my bone. <laughs> like, ah, but you know what bondage is? Is that you now start condemning yourself because of that. That's bondage. Uh-huh. That's bondage. So it's a good thing that you are able to keep, you know, reading your Bible for a long time. But you are not under bondage in the new covenant means that that must not be. You just pick yourself up the next day and you go. Do you understand? That's the, the joy of the new covenant. So you don't have to go and say, oh God, please forgive me for not reading my Bible today. No, 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 no. That is not a sin. It's helpful for you. It's good for you. You have to do it. But you are not, you are not justified by reading or not reading. Do you understand what I'm saying, please? So please, you need to pay attention to this very carefully because there are all these little, little things. Uh-huh. And the more, the more years you're spent in, in the faith, the more dangerous it is. And you're not just now justifying yourself by the works of the law, but other people. Then you now start you know, weighing people based on how well they perform or what their, you know, what their performance is like. And then that is not the gospel. That is completely not the gospel. Galatians 4, verse 9 to 10, we've read that. Yeah, let's read verse 19. It says, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. My desire is that you will write down all the scriptures, go home on your own, and go and study them. That's why I'm giving you all these plenty, plenty scriptures. Some of them I didn't need to put there, but, I mean, it can't harm you. <laughs> you will only be better for it. Acts chapter 13, verse 43. Acts 13, 43. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So you see, there's something called continuing in the grace of God. And it was persuading them, said, don't go back to the law. Please continue. Continue in the grace of God. And this is very important for the church to understand that this is not a new, you know, sex of, of people that are trying to preach grace. Grace is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what it is. Second Corinthians 6 verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So what does it mean to receive the grace of God in vain? I want to be sure you are following me. What does it mean to receive the grace of God in vain? Yeah, you are still trying to be justified by the works of the Lord. This is what it means, okay? Uh-huh. I'm asking you so that we know that, I know that we, are, we are not just reading, we are on the same page. So when it says you receive the grace of God in vain, it means that you, you, you have the grace of God, but you are acting as if you don't have it. You are acting as if your justification, and don't forget, I'm saying justification. I'm not saying that there is no, um, we've already defined grace as, as what? What did we define grace as? Our own definition of grace from the Bible dictionary. Please give me the microphone. Today now, I think we're going to, we're going to change the style now. We'll change the style. Give me the microphone. What did we define grace as? What did we define? Because I, I want to make sure that we're not wasting our time here. We are actually following. We know what we are. You should know it by now. It should be in your head. I told you that's the most important thing. Look, look, it's a definition you cannot afford to forget. Yeah, you, it, you must have. I've known that definition since I was a teenager. I memorized it. So it's not that, uh, because everybody just, I can show you in my, in my old notes where I wrote it down. Uh-huh. So you, you have to understand it is the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. That is what the word carries in the Greek. That's what it means. Uh The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Okay, let's keep going. You escaped that one. 
I'll try you with another one. Hebrews 12.15. Hebrews 12.15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. This is another way that somebody can fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So now we get into things like strife. This is how people fall from the grace of God. Strife is one of the major ways where the root of bitterness is springing up. And the first thing that the enemy wants to attack are the people that are closest to you. To put strife among you, among you and your, your, your husband and your wife, to you know you and your parents, or you and that is the, the first one. Before he even gets to the church and start putting you know strife among people, and the root of bitterness now becomes the thing that defiles people. That's how people fall from grace. Okay, this is important for us to understand. And we'll get into, uh, you know, um, offense later on, uh, where, you know, how we make decisions under the new covenant. If there's anything that you want to do that is going to, you know, cause an offense for somebody else, it's not something that we practice under the new covenant. Jude, verse number four. And I'll rest, I'll rest for the scriptures for now. We'll get into some more things. Jude four. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I hope with, with these plenty scriptures of mine, I've been able to convince you, <laughs> not to confuse, you are not under the law, you are under grace. What it means to fall from the grace of God or to take the grace of God in vain is that you are still attempting to be justified by the works of the law. All right, so now let's talk about faith and works. So you ask now that if we are not under grace, where does works come in? Just like we read in James, since faith without works is dead. So let's take it step by step, and here you need to follow me. We are saved by grace through faith. We are not saved by the law. Look at me, not on the screen. There's no scripture there. I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you from my, from my notes, okay? And I, I want you to take some notes in this point, okay? Because there are some of these things that if you don't go back, just like I asked you for that definition, if you don't go write it down, go back to it, you will never remember it. It's as simple as that. So we are saved by grace through faith, not by the works of the law. That one, you must have it buttoned down, that you know that this is the premise, according to Galatians 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Now, this is where it gets sticky. The works of the law is different from the works of faith. Are you with me? So, when he says the works of the law, that is attempting to go by the, you know, the Ten Commandments, the 613 you know, laws and all of those different things. That is the works of the law. That is different from the works of faith or the workings of faith, right? Which is that when, when he says works of the law, works under the law are righteous acts. I'm going to try to stay with my notes in this portion so that I don't, because this took me a lot, a lot of piecing things out, okay? So I don't want to mess anything up in this part because this is very important to your Christian faith. I'm telling you, this is, this is major. So works under the law are righteous acts that are done in order to gain approval from God. So when he says works of the law, he's saying you, you do righteous deeds because you are trying to get God's approval. Like I saw, you know, uh, recent, you know, recently, you know, in, in Christianity, we say a lot of things that they sound very nice, especially when it comes from a, a big preacher. 
But big preachers can also make mistakes, just like small preachers can. Everybody is susceptible to this thing. If you don't pay attention and really look at the Bible and, and try to figure things out, you will just be saying general statements. You know, like I, I just saw I saw this thing on, on you know, was it Twitter or something? A very big man of God with his picture there too, you know, and they put the quotes there that, you know, um, when you the, the more you fast, uh, it said it's something like when you fast often or when you fast more, that you become more desirable to God. That's heresy. Like complete, <laughs> complete heresy. Look, there's nothing you can do, huh? The way you are right now, as long as you are a child of God, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more than He already loves you. You know how you say to you know to, to your husband or your wife that I love you more now than I ever loved you before. God is not like that. He loves you. Period. His love is unconditional. Do you know what unconditional means? It means it, it doesn't have conditions. There's no condition. It's not about you. The love of God for you is not about you. It's about his nature. It's about his, his own character. That is what it's all about. So for you to say that if you fast more, you become more... I know what they are trying to say by saying that. But we mislead people when we say things like that. That you become more desirable to God by fasting? No, sir. No. You cannot do anything to become more desirable to God. He desires you. Look... As you are sitting down in your house and they are fasting in the church, pastor is fasting, everybody, and you are drinking your tea, eh? God does not love you less because you are doing that. I'm telling you, he does not. It has nothing to do, it will have things to do with the results you will experience as a Christian. It will, because me that I'm fasting, and you that you are eating burger and drinking, you know, eating shawarma and drinking in your house, when it's time to pray for the sick, we will see the difference. But in the sight of God, he loves me and you the exact same way. The exact same way. Aren't you grateful that God's love is not conditional? Aha, that's what unconditional means. So please, don't let anything confuse you. Uh, and it's very easy. When you start misbehaving, as you know, to think that ah, because of this thing that I've done, I have to get back God's approval by doing you know, nice things to make up for this thing that I've done. No, 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 that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. And this is why I said this, this part is very sticky because people just think that, ah, but it should be like that now. Because that's how you are with your children. You know, when they, do, when they obey you and they do things, then you feel like, okay, now you deserve treats. You know, like, like, like today, my son, me, me, I was beating for them to get them ready for church. As they were beating, he was saying, the other one was saying, oh, I want to watch, uh, I want to watch iPad before we go. I said, dude, we are getting ready for church. Because they haven't watched the thing the whole day. So he was figuring out that the time is short now. Like, are we not going to watch anything today? So I said, no, we're not watching iPad today. Then, then he started whining about it. And then I told him, I said, you're acting as if watching iPad is a right. It's not a right. Then the other one said, daddy, what is right? Ah, I said, I've, I've entered trap. <laughs> I've entered trap here. <laughs> so I had to explain to them and, you know, break everything down and do all of that. Let me keep going so that I don't enter everlasting gospel, okay? So we've said works under the law are righteous acts done in order to gain approval from God. Then works of faith, on the other hand, are steps of obedience. This is works of faith now. They are steps of obedience that are in response to God's word. And we spent the whole previous series talking about this, okay? So works of faith are steps of obedience that you take in response to God's word so that you can see his promise come to pass. I'll say it again. Works of faith are steps of obedience in response to God's word to see his promise come to pass, knowing that you are justified already. So as we are doing those works of faith, it's not an attempt 
to gain justification or to gain God's approval. It is knowing that you are already justified. You know that, that I'm already justified. But I'm doing this as a response because we're talking about the balance of grace and faith. And we have said grace is God's part. Faith is our own part. If God makes everything available and we don't, we don't you know, key into it or, you know, and, and appropriate that into our lives, we will never have it. We will never have it. God desires that everybody is saved in the world, everybody. But it's only the people that by faith receive the free gift that Jesus has, has, has made available that are going to experience salvation. So that's very important. And it's, it's also interesting that the, the, the word works. You know, sometimes when I get into sticky things like this in the Bible, let me just teach you one of my processes when I want to study and, and try to teach. What I try to do is, when I get into something that is very sticky like this, it always builds me out every single time. But today it did not. <laughs> because I wanted to see something else, but it actually took me in a different direction. The thing is this. Sometimes when, when the Bible says, um, like I've taught this before, when the Bible says, you know, knowledge puffs off. Right? And elsewhere in scripture, when it mentions knowledge, there are different words. So they mean different things. Uh-huh. So you can't just conclude that it's the same thing. No. You know, sometimes they mean completely different things based on the word that was used. But what's interesting is that when it talks about the works of the law, and when it talks about the works of faith, they use the exact same word. <laughs> it's the same word. So it's not that, you know, oh, he's saying that the works here are different. No, no, it's the same works. It's the same works. So which means that, and I wrote it down, the word is actually egon, which means to toil, effort, labor, work. That's what it means. But the difference now is that under the old covenant, you are the one doing that toiling. But in the new covenant, it is the spirit of God now, by the grace that has been given to you, that is doing the toiling, not you. Do you see this? That is the difference. Just like what we're doing in the tables to separate them. That's exactly what it is. So the works under the old covenant is that I am laboring. Because there's no Holy Ghost. There's no empowerment to do all these things. But you have to do it. But now under the new covenant, you have been given the empowerment, the enablement, the grace to actually carry out those things. So the effort now is not your own effort. Your own is to bring yourself under the grace. To say, I, I accept this as the new order of things. Say amen to this. So this is very important. So it's the same thing, but in the New Testament, those works become the works of faith in God, knowing we are already justified. Why? Because our righteousness is like filthy rags. You, you know this scripture in Isaiah 64 verse 6 that says this. We are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So salvation is not something we can earn. This one, you must always remember that. God, God, like Jeremy always says, God, God never came to your house one day and knocked on your door and said, hey, bro, I owe you some salvation because you have been so good. No, he doesn't do that. His salvation is a, is a gift. It's not something we earn. It's the gift of God to everyone who would believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, let's keep going and read a few more scriptures here. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ah, this boasting is the issue. In the new covenant, there is no boasting. Uh-huh. There's, no, there's no space for boasting because it has nothing to do with you. You were not even the, the one that did the covenant. You are not. It's like you entered into an inheritance that you had nothing to do with. <laughs> nothing. The covenant was between God and Jesus Christ. It had nothing to do with you. You were just the, the one that you know, benefited from, from the whole thing. Okay, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, 24 to 28. Romans 3, 24 to 28. Being justified freely 
by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. If somebody says that something is free, if they, they, they advertise something and they put there free, huh? like the experience that is coming now huh? in, in Nigeria in December, the experience, and they, they always put free from the beginning. I remember very well that they have been putting free there, right? Because the very first one that they did, I remember it so well, seeing that first billboard. In, in, in Lagos, Nigeria for the experience. The experience is a massive concert, in case you don't know that. It's, a, it's probably, it's actually the largest gospel, uh, gospel music concert in the world. So I remember that first one very well, and they, they, they did free in the corner like this. I, I'm, like, I'm like, how are they able to bring all these people and say it's free? So if they say it's free, and you now enter the, the Tafawa Balewa Square, and they now say, pay something, because you, know, we are, you ask them, that, what is the meaning of free? Jonas, now you ask now. That was free. So he's telling you that you have been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. So why are we still making people pay for salvation? And it's not money that we're asking. It's efforts that we're asking for people to do to pay for salvation. But he, he said it's free. Jesus already took, did that. So whatever, whatever effort now that you are doing is for a different purpose, not for justify, being justified by, by the works of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It's because it is helpful for you to do that. And we'll get into a bit more of that. Let's keep reading this. It says 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has works to prove. Look at what he's saying now. He said God is the is so he, 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 he's saying so that God might be just. He justifies the people who have faith in Jesus. Then he says, where is boasting then? Where is boasting? It's excluded. They cannot be boasting under the new covenant. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Please never forget this. I hope I have I've stressed this enough, right? That this, you have to get this down. Because the truth is, we'll, we'll get into other things. And me, I'm very, you know me, when I, when I teach sometimes, I teach as if this is the only thing I'm teaching. Uh-huh. That's the way I approach things. When I face something, like the way I taught about grace, uh, about faith, I told you then that when we start talking about grace, people will say, ah, these people, they are a grace church. <laughs> you know, that's the way I, I will focus on it as if that's the only thing. But you have to understand that there is balance in the Bible. That's the biggest issue with, with Christianity of today, is this issue of balance. When Christians take something, they take it one extreme or the other. One extreme or the other. So let's keep going here. Um, we have said boasting is excluded under the new covenant. Now let me give you another way of saying all those things I've been saying about grace and faith. Right? Grace is the full provision of God based on what Jesus has done. That's grace. Like I've told you, that grace makes, faith takes. You know, grace is God's part, faith is our part. So here I'm saying now, grace is the full provision of God that is based on what Jesus has done. Faith, on the other hand, is simply believing God's promise. That is what faith is. Alright, so faith is simply believing God's promise and obeying his word by the power he supplies. Alright, let's keep going, alright?
So faith is simply believing God's promise and obeying his word by the power he supplies. Now, we obey in the New Testament, not by human effort, but by the power he supplies. Now, we're getting into it now. In the New Covenant, the way we obey God, the way we are able to, to live right, you know, and, and reveal the righteousness of God, is not by our own effort. It's not by human effort. It is by the power, the enablement, which is that word grace, that enablement that is supplied by the Holy Spirit. The challenge now of the new covenant is to make sure that you as a New Testament believer can align yourself with that grace, that you stay there, that you align yourself with it, that you are not, you don't, you know, get saved and go and be living your life, that you still make sure that you are doing the things that allow the grace of God to manifest in your life. That's important because if you, you, you get saved, you just walk away, you're going to start living your life anyhow. That's how people fall away from grace because now you are no longer taking the steps, walking in him to make sure that the enablement, the empowerment that has been given to you can actually come through life. Just like Paul said, stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you. Then you can walk things out. That's where we get into work out your salvation. And we'll get into that to see what that actually means, right? So let's keep going. So the life of God is imparted into you, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. John 5, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. 2 Peter 1, 3-7. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, look at this now, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature. That means the life of God is now on the inside of you. You are a partaker of the divine nature of God. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, Add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So, he said, you are a partaker of the divine nature. Then he now went on to say, add to your faith, knowledge, self-control. Just like saying, add to your faith, works. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's what he's saying now. He's saying, add to your faith now these things. So these are now the works of faith. This is not the works of the law. Because you are now adding to your faith patience. You are adding self-control. You are adding virtue. So that you can come into the fullness of everything that God has prepared for you. That's why he's asking you to do that. It's not so that you can be justified anymore. You are already justified. You are already justified. The whole idea now is that you are now, you know, doing everything else that will make sure that this whole thing can come to life. Say amen to that. All right, so let's keep going. One of the first key evidences that you have actually received salvation by faith is this. See, when you want to know that somebody has actually received this thing that we're, we're saying that is salvation by faith in God and all of these things, this is the, the, one of the key evidences. God begins to walk in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's Philippians 2 verse 13. 
right? This is one of the, this, this one, I, I, honestly, I can say this is the biggest one. Because if you find somebody who is a Christian, who says, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm, I'm a child of God, and doesn't have the will, it doesn't, it doesn't desire to do of God's good pleasure, he's not yet a Christian. So if somebody comes now and says, you know, maybe because they are, they are I'm trying to find a safe example, but sometimes there's no safe example. Let's just say somebody, you know, um, like, like I remember this, I'll just share this because it's, it's personal to me and it, it makes me vulnerable, but it's okay. When my grandfather, huh? when my grandfather passed, and I wrote, you know, the next book that I wrote after that, I dedicated it to him. And somebody in the family was asking me, like my auntie was asking me that, why did you dedicate the book to, to him? You know, and I, I knew what she was, she was saying was that, I mean, he's not even a believer like us, or you know, that, that kind of thing. But here's the thing. It, it hits me in a different way because I saw him on his deathbed, right? I saw him. And I had an opportunity, or I could have created the opportunity to share the gospel with him. But I didn't think I was allowed to. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I didn't think that I was in the position, because I'm just a grandchild. That I'm not, I was not even as old as this day, you know? So I didn't think, but it was when he, had, when he now died that it occurred to me that, ah, you know, we, we, when, we, when we, people we love go, you know, die, we, we have this uh, sentiment of saying, oh, they are in heaven. <laughs> Look, if they don't know Jesus, they are not in heaven. It can be, it can be you know, painful to accept that reality. It can be a painful reality to accept. You say, ah, how can you say that? I can say that because it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Bible. But we can, we can look at it and say, ah, but you can't, you can't say, ah, you can't say your grandfather is not in heaven now. He's in heaven. He's not in heaven because if he didn't know Jesus as his Lord and, and all it would have taken, ah, all it would have taken is me just going to the side of his bed and asking them, that, ah, can I have a word with him? And they would have allowed me because he's dying. Do you understand? They would have allowed me to do that. And I, all I could have just said was, and he could have just accepted Jesus, whether just by, <laughs> by him just saying, let me just humor this boy, or whatever it was, right? But I said that to say that if somebody is, for example, like that on, a, on his deathbed, right, accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior with his mouth and says, yeah, 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 I accept. Because in his mind, I don't want to die. Anything that can help me, <laughs> let, me, let, me <laughs> let me just say it. Then he gets up from that bed, healed, whole, and the power of God comes on him. Because this same, don't forget what we said about salvation. The same power that saves you is the same power that heals you. It's the same one. So that's why you find that most people, most people, when they are on the, on the deathbed like that and, you are, and they are prayed for, they get saved, they get healed too. Because it's that same power. Don't you, don't you understand this? That's what it is. People get healed too when they get saved that way. Then he now gets up from that bed, right? And there is no will. There's no desire to, to do of God's good pleasure. That desire is not there. He has not, he's not yet saved. That's how you know that. Something else was what healed him. Maybe it was an emotional thing because you know that there's, there's naturally your body has you know, hormones that help you, you know, recover. Uh, your body, just like when you were, you were, you are looking at me as what I'm saying is strange. When you were riding bikes when you were younger, did you have all these wounds in your elbow? Where are they today? They're all healed now. It's because the, your body has that thing. So sometimes, and they, they say it too, uh, even medical science, they say that people that have something to live for usually make it through sickness more than people that think they don't have anything to live for. So it could have been any other thing that got the person healed. But for you to know that salvation was genuine and sincere, the person will have something on the inside of them that is desiring to do of God's good pleasure. That is the first sign. So they might not be able to go now right away and 
fix everything in their lives immediately. Stop lying, stop stealing, all that. But that desire will be there. That's why any day they now do something that is not consistent with the nature of God, they know. Something just tells them that, ah, you should not have done this. Then they repent. A new system has been installed on the inside of them. That's what salvation is. That's what salvation is. So, salvation is not that somebody, you know, just, because now, I know, we make it easy for people to get saved, but the, the way you will check, well, that's why me, I'm not very quick to, to just be reading out numbers. You know, it's easy to just say, oh, you know, just look at people that raised their hand, huh? or send email, and you just say, 25 people gave their life to Christ every, every, you get, you can do all that stuff to make it look like, you know, church is moving forward. But the real test of salvation is, in the person's life, is there now a will, a desire to do God's will? It might not, you know, be a perfect person yet, but that desire has been installed. God is now the one who is at work in him, both to will and to, to do. Look at it now. It's there. So there are two things. It now gives you the, the, the will, the willingness to, to do it, and the ability to do it. Very, very important. This is very crucial. Honestly, if this is the only thing you get tonight, please all remember this. Uh -huh. So you lead people to Jesus, you do all that, it's good. And somebody says a prayer and they do all of that. But you will know it. If they're not talking to you and saying, ah, I'm, I'm struggling with this. How do I stop doing it? That's how you know that the person has, is now saved. Is now saved. There is a different operating system on the inside of him now. It's no longer just, you know, doing anything he likes and, and you know, just... Uh, all right, Philippians 1 verse 6. Let's keep going. Philippians 1... Are you tired, guys? Okay, I hope you are getting blessed. Uh -huh. That's the most important thing. Your body can be tired, but your in inward man is being renewed day by day. <laughs> Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So who is he who has begun a good work in you? God. So God is the one that has begun that work. Uh -huh. It's no longer your work. He's the one doing that work by the grace that he has given to you. So the work goes on until the day of Jesus Christ. This is why you can't tell me that only perfect people are going to heaven. This is why I have an issue with that doctrine. Uh -huh. That God is just going to come and just take, you know, narrow is the way, narrow is the way. Narrow is the way does not mean that when God comes, it's just, it's just a snapshot of the people. No, no, no. Because he's saying that that work is going to continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Until that day. So that means that until that day, there will still be work left to do. So that means he's going to leave everybody then. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> so that means that there will still be work left to do in every single one of us until the day that Jesus shows up. So it cannot be your works that is going to determine where you go. It is what do you believe? Did you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior? Period. So it is God himself who is now working in the believer to will and to do God's will. Our part, which is faith, is to yield to the work that grace is doing in us. That is the labor now that we have to do, labor to enter into rest, is to know that, okay, grace is at work in me. Now I have to yield myself, yield my members. Like Paul said, yield my members to the righteousness. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm now a slave in that sense now to righteousness. I have to yield my members to that. Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. Let's keep going. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is another sticky point. We'll piece it up now. For it is God who works in you. Do you see that? So I read that scripture to you first in isolation. It looks like an isolated scripture. But this is where that scripture started from. 
He says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. He said, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then he says, for it is God who works in you. So even that walking out your salvation is not your work. <laughs> I'm telling you, we don't read our Bible. So we just hear, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's what everybody's quoting. Walk out your salvation. Say, no, no, walk out your salvation. Walk it out. Walk it out. But he's saying that it is God who works in you. <laughs> Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's still God. It's still God. So what, is, what does it now mean, walk out your salvation? It's now your work is to align yourself with what grace has made available. Say amen to this. So walk out now is the work of faith now. Walk out your salvation now is the work of faith. We already know that you can't end salvation by walking. We have already defined that. So it cannot be talking about the works of the law again. Uh -huh. It can't be talking about that. We have already settled that matter. So what he's saying now is walk out your salvation is for it is God. It is now cooperate with God. Cooperate with God. They can't say there's something to do in church that will help your life to, to, to get better towards God and you are running away from it. You are not cooperating with God. You are not. You are not allowing the Holy Spirit to do. The Holy Spirit ministers to you, tells you what you need to do in the morning and you choose rather to watch walk up. You are not cooperating. You are not. Like today now, I was praying, preparing for service and Canada wanted to start playing. I said, no, not me, are you devil? I will finish my prayer. When I finish and I'm happy, <laughs> whatever the score is, I will go back and look at it. But I'm not going to cut my, do you get what I'm saying? This is, these are little things. It's not because if I stop watching, you know, praying and I, I start watching Canada that, you know, God will strike me down from heaven. No, but there is a system on the inside of me that wills to do of God's good pleasure. This is how to be a Christian in the new covenant. All right, let's keep going here. I'm, I will... Once we get to the end of this one, we'll stop so we can pray. I, I, won't, I won't go into making decisions. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. So let's just finish this. Let's finish this up. I, I think God has really helped us tonight because even the way I'm explaining it is clear to me. It's not like, you know, because I struggled this afternoon. I almost changed the message. I'm like, God, this thing, I don't want to confuse people. It's very, <laughs> it's like gummy bear. You know when gummy bears have locked together for a long time? <laughs> and you're trying to piece them together. That's how it felt to me. But I thank God that it's coming through clearly. Even me, I'm getting it, you know, much clearer this night. So, work out your salvation for it is God. John 6, 28 to 29. John 6, 28 to 29. It says, then they said to him, this is Jesus now answering them about this issue of works. It says, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may walk the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. It doesn't get simpler than Jesus. See, because people want to walk. <laughs> when it comes to pleasing God, people want to do something. They want to be able to say, it is because of what I did. That this what you get like people want to walk, and they were asking themselves, teach us to walk the works of God. What can we do? Jesus said, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That you believe in him. That is the work. And believing in him now brings all those different things, which is that you have to believe that his sacrifice is enough for your justification. That it doesn't require your, your extra effort for you to be justified. That his sacrifice is enough. That's part of believing in him. So, let's see what, what the disciples also said. They said this to the jailer when they were in the, in the prison there. Acts 16, from 27 to 31. It says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. 
Then, the, then he said, then he, he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Look at the answer. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make sure you are not committing any sin when the rapture happens. And you will be saved. You and your household. Are we reading the same Bible? That's not there. <laughs> it's not there. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your household. And you will be saved. You will be saved. But we want to add extra work. We want to just make sure that, you know, just to keep everybody in, in check. <laughs> just to make sure that everybody is, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's grace. It's actually love for God that will keep you in check. That's what will keep you in check. Loving God. That is what will keep you in check. That's what will make sure that your life is, is, is mirroring the life of God. Don't you know that the more you fall in love with somebody, the more you, you start to reflect them? That's the way it is. Uh -huh. So it's not, it's not to add anything to it. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. So let's tie it up. Only a Christian, this is what we've said now, in whom God is working can actually work out his salvation, which is now the part of faith now that has been freely given by grace. So you can't say you, you are working out your salvation if you, are, you, are not, you have not yet accepted this you know, grace of God. The, what, what it means to work out your salvation is that it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Very, very important. So for you to say you have received grace through faith, there has to be evidence of God working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That evidence has to be there. And that's where we now start seeing your life aligning with the word of God. Aligning with God's word. And this other thing I wanted, to, I wanted to say tonight, that you see, we say this in church too, that you know, let your life be the, the Bible that people will read, or let your life be the message that will pray. Look, you are putting too much pressure on yourself. And you are giving yourself too much credit. <laughs> when, we, when we say those things, we mean well huh? by saying that. You say, let your life be the message. Then we use it as an excuse not to preach. Say, I'll just use my life. My life will just be the gospel. Until the day you will get angry in the office. And you will blow up. Because you are a human being. And everybody will see your blow up and say, ah, is this not the Christian guy? Kai! <laughs> if this is how Christians are, ah! No, 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 no. But you are just being a human being that Jesus has paid the price for. So the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not your life. Did you hear what I said? The gospel, the gospel, which I've just shared with you tonight, is the power of God unto salvation. You can use your life to show an example of a believer, like what Paul said. Be an example of the believer. But it doesn't mean that you are, you are the perfect example of a human being. You are putting too much pressure on yourself. Giving yourself too much credit. <laughs> it's too much pressure to carry. So everything you want to do, they are now, you know, checking. Ah, ah, they will say a hey, believer. Ah, no, don't do it. You know, like, just be human. Ah, but be the reflection of the life of God in the human spirit. That's what you should be. So that when you are sharing the gospel, you are letting people know that the gospel of Jesus is not that you, you are going to be perfect. The gospel is that God will be working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And you see your life going from glory to glory. That's what the gospel is. You are going from glory to glory because the part of the just is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. This is so important. So when I say this, please don't hear me say you should not live a good life. Of course, you know that's not what we are saying. We have not said that at any point <laughs> in this series. But we are saying that where that you living a good life comes from is a different place. 
not from a place of effort. It's from a place of yielding to the Spirit of God on the inside of you, right? That's where things like you wake up in the morning, you pray. Those things are the things that help you to yield yourself. That's where all those little, little things now come into place. You are reading your Bible, you are yielding yourself more. You are yielding yourself more. You're, you have the nudging to pray in the Spirit. You're, it's not then that you want to watch Netflix. You step out, you pace the room. You get, like, you are yielding yourself. And the more you yield yourself, the more you see yourself grow. The more you see the nature and the character of God come out on the inside of you. Say amen to this. All right, James chapter 2, verse 26. I hope you are still happy with me. I hope you still like me, though. Okay, James 2, 26. James 2, 26 says this. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You see? So you don't become a believer by these works, uh -huh, but by, by faith. And we have, we have differentiate, uh, differentiated now the works of the law from the works of faith. You will, you will perform the works of faith because God is at work in you. Those works of faith justify you before men because there are men that want to see your light. It's like I was saying now, that it's not that you are not a good representation of, of Christians, but that you are not putting the pressure of saving people on yourself. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work. So it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Those good works now are the works of faith. Those works of faith, like what he said, add to your faith, virtue, patience, self-control. Those things are things that people will now see and give glory to God in heaven. So you see where everything comes together now, where it all pieces together. But you have to recognize that God is still working on you. But faith alone justifies you before God. So where good works justify you before men and they see the, the, the good works that you do and they're able to give glory to God, which again doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means that, like for me now, for instance, they know in my office that I don't, I don't curse. I've never cursed and I will never curse. I've told them, the day that you see me curse in this office, you will go and write my resignation by yourself because I'm not coming back here. <laughs> I've told them that the day, it means that this place has got it to me. Aha. So that's my last day here. Whatever the situation, the day you hear me curse or use the F-bomb in this place, you write it by yourself because tomorrow you will not see me. <laughs> so they know for, that I will not do that. You know, there are things like that. that those things give glory to God. Aha. But it doesn't mean that if somebody says something, you know, like when people say things around me uh, against the faith or they are bashing the church or they are, ah, I raise my voice. Ah, as well, even my wife sometimes, when I'm talking, say, calm down. Ah, you are, you are, you are, you are ah, calm down. I will raise my voice because that's how I feel about it. I'm passionate about that stuff. And when I now finish, I now say, sorry, you see, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be loud, but I have to let you know that I don't like that. So you do that, but you don't, you don't now say because you want to be a good example of the believer. They are talking right beside you about, oh, churches are this. Just like when they were doing all this residential school thing and they were talking about Catholic churches, the people were just opening their mouths, just running their mouths. So like, as long as you don't run it beside me, you are fine. You come near me and start saying, ah, but the church, why did the church? Ah, you will hear story. <laughs> You will hear. I will, I will talk. I will not keep my mouth shut. You know, people just talk. I church is just like money. And I will tell them all the things that you do with your money huh, that I don't do. I will list everything out for them. So things like, I don't let things like that pass. As long as you give me the permission to talk. <laughs> I will not just go to people and start attacking them. But you come near me and you say anything. So all I'm saying to you guys is our lives have to be an example of the believer. But we are not the ones that save people. Those good works is what they see, they glorify God with. That's good. You have to make sure that your life is representing God in a nice way. But don't put the pressure of saving people on yourself. 
Don't. Uh-huh. That's why we, we said this um, next season now we are inviting people to church. Is, is, I mean, you have a personal you know, um, evangelism life where you, you, you lead people to Jesus. But even if you can't do that by yourself yet, the simple thing, the first step is you should be able to invite somebody to church. Period. You must be able to do that. There's no, no reason under heaven why you cannot hold a flyer in the mall and hand it over to somebody. You see somebody, uh, you know, start with the people that look like you that you are more comfortable with. Maybe you don't like people that don't look like you, and you are afraid <laughs> that they won't hear you very well, or whatever. Start with those that look like you, and just say, hello, how are you doing today? I just wanted to give you this. That's all you need to do. Walk away. Ah, let the Holy Spirit do the remaining. Let them look at it and say, I don't like this. Throw it somewhere else. Somebody else who that flyer was not meant for will be the one that will, that will see it, pick it up, and end up there. That's how God works. Uh-huh. But your own job is that you have to be obedient. You have to, I can't remember the, 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 the pastor who said this thing that the, the tract that got him saved, he saw it on the floor. Nobody handed him a tract. He saw the tract <laughs> on the floor, which means that that tract must have been given to somebody else who looked at it and said, and in his mind, he thought he was, he was being wicked. But when God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, that's what happens. So another person who God has a plan for came along, saw it on the floor, picked it up and said, ah, Okay, let's read this. So this is so important that we understand, all right? I think we'll stop here for today. Thank you for listening to Insights for Believers today. For more information or to send us questions, testimony, and feedback, please visit us at www.insightsforbelievers.org. Be blessed today, and we'll see you again soon.